Hi, and a big welcome back to the channel today, especially if I haven't seen you for a while. Uh, today's video is by hugely popular request. I was so surprised by the number of comments last week who asked me to make this UK specific housing market video. That's off the back of my USA housing market video, which I made last week. So if you haven't seen me before, my name's Neil McCoy Ward. I've actually been investing in property since 2005. I've owned numerous agencies over the years. I still own some agencies in the UK. Now I also own a academy and that's been going for a good few years now, teaching people about property investment, but more specifically in more creative uh, strategies. We won't go into all of that today. But today what we're going to talk about is I'm going to start with an overview over the last two years. So that way you understand what has happened, why house prices have gone up so much in the UK over the last two years. And then we'll go into a 2022 forecast and look at some data. So the house prices in 2020 throughout that, that single year the rises were roughly 7.5% throughout the UK. That's average. And that took a lot of people, including myself, by surprise. Some of the top forecasters on the planet got that wrong. Even some of the statistics agencies got that wrong, including 2021, which is an even bigger surprise. Uh, so why don't we talk about that first and, and look at what happened in 2020? Why did house prices go up? in a period of a recession where what they should have done was gone down dramatically, especially with the high unemployment. What happened was actually unheard of. So of course we had the pandemic, which began around December 19, but it didn't really hit us in the UK until the spring, you know, just coming up to the springtime. So March of 2020, that's when it really started to drive home and cause a lot of damage. As a result, people went into panic and lockdown mode and they had a lot of time on their hands. And what do people do when they have a lot of thinking time? They really reflect on their lives and think about what they wanna do in the future. They think about their current housing situation, their work situation, which of course we've covered on other videos, the, the, the work issues right now and the great resignation. So this led to a lot of people then deciding, families in particular, that they wanted to have a change. A lot of single people in London, of course, left London. That depressed prices, caused a lot of issues for landlords. Uh, a lot of big cities as well. A lot of single people and workers just uh, left. And for families, the other thing that happened was the house wasn't just a house anymore or a home anymore. It was also a workplace. It was a nursery for, for a lot of people. It was the place that you had leisure time. And a lot of people, including some people I know in central London, they looked out and said, I'm stuck in this house or this apartment and I can't do anything. I haven't even got a balcony. I haven't got a garden or any outdoor recreational space. So, of course, this drove a lot of people to what I refer to as the mass migration that I, I coined in 2020. And now you see this on a lot of statistical data um, forecasting sites is migrational data now. So this migration uh, mainly occurred from some of the bigger cities, inner cities particular, to the suburbs and right further out into more rural areas. Of course, at the same time, we had this huge new demand 
on houses, causing lower inventory levels. So this is the absolute worst um, situation, really. Low inventory levels, that's the number of houses and flats and everything else available for purchase. We then had record low interest rates and we had extremely high demand, not just from families and people wanting to move, but investors as well. A lot of investors jumped on board to take advantage of the low rates, but I would say the worst part of it was the institutional investors. So uh, the likes of some of the big banks and other financial institutions just buying up huge amounts of UK housing, again, making the situation even worse and pushing up these prices. Come 2021 then, I think most people, most economists, most forecasters, data agencies were completely shocked by what happened because really what should have happened to the housing market in 2021 is a correction of anywhere from 15% and, and even deeper. That should have been what happened. But of course, the central bank or the Bank of England came to the rescue, if you can call it that, I don't. And they uh, stimulated the economy. So a lot more quantitative easing, money creation, lower interest rates. And of course, this drove this frenzy, which we're now seeing as a result. I'll actually go, go to the shared screen in a moment and show you that. But this resulted in house prices going up by 10% in a single year. And in fact, the number of transactions in 2021 was just unheard of. 1.5 million home sales in a single year. And of course, there were other contributing factors. We're talking about the low inventory. We're talking about the low interest rates. But we also had that stamp duty holiday. If you're not from the UK, it's basically a, a tax. It's called stamp duty that the government puts onto property purchases. People here hate it because it costs a lot of money additionally to buy property. We also had a lot of foreign investment. So um, huge investment from countries like Hong Kong and the Middle East and even Russia coming into the UK and just buying up property. A lot of the time, because I have certain clients, I speak to people and say, what are you going to do with these properties? And they say, nothing. We're just going to leave them empty. It's too risky to rent them right now because if the tenant doesn't pay and they won't leave, I'm, I'm in a big trouble. I don't want to deal with it. That to me is just insane to have that level of wealth that you can have all these million dollar properties in central London and just leave them empty. But of course, this is what happened. Now, they weren't just doing that. They were also buying a lot of the houses that you would want to buy yourself, family homes, and competing with you in the marketplace, but really just paying whatever the price was. I was at an auction in 2021 with a client helping them to purchase some properties. And some of the things that we saw were just insane. We actually saw a bidding war between uh, several parties that were, that were from Hong Kong, I know because we spoke to them afterwards, and they said it didn't matter what the price was, they were, they were gonna buy these properties. They were larger homes that they wanted to move into with their family and their parents and all sorts of things like that. Three generations of one family living in a home, etc. They were also buying investment properties in the same area. If you're getting value from this podcast, then you're gonna love my private community, which can be found at patreon.com forward slash Neil McCoy Ward. 
We have over a thousand members in that community. It is a fantastic community of like-minded friends committed to finance and economics. Every month, not only do you get my investment-based posts, but you also get a video which is all about macro and investing. So if you're not sure what to do with your money at the moment and how to invest going forward, you should definitely join the private community over on Patreon. Thanks for listening. Added to this as well, the government introduced the 95% mortgages, which I personally, again, do not agree with. I don't think they are the right thing to introduce at a peak in the housing market as we are right now after a rampant uh, run-up in prices. This is because we have the historical data from the 2008 crash, and we know that this was another thing the government did at the time. In fact, not just 95% mortgages, but you could get up to a 115 percent mortgage. So if your house was 100,000, you could actually get 115,000 as a mortgage. It was insane. It was absolutely ridiculous. And people wonder why the housing market crashed so badly back then. So let's go to the shared screen now then, and let's look at a few really key data points. So firstly, I just wanted to touch upon this graph here, which is the UK money supply M1 supply. And it just makes me laugh every time. I find it hilarious when you have these experts on the housing market coming on and doing interviews and the media. And they ask these experts, why has the the housing market gone up so much? And they say, you know, they come out with all these random things, but they usually say, but apart from that, it's a mystery. (laughs) That's what they always say. So let me show you why it's not a mystery. Uh, So this is M1 money supply. And this is the currency creation. I talked about this actually on uh, Saturday's video because it's a really key metric, which I'm surprised most people don't talk about. So this is how much new currency or new money, if you want to call it, has been created since the pandemic began in 2020. Huge, huge amounts of new currency. Now let's go to this graph, which is the UK inflation rate. And do you notice anything interesting here? Hmm. Let's let's look at that again. New money supply. So this is money that's been created by the central bank, Bank of England, and via the government as well with, with bond creation, bond purchases. And then you see this. Is that really a big coincidence? Hmm, I'm, I'm scratching my chin at this. And if you're not quite convinced, well, let's now look at the UK house prices. And let's look at this part here. So let's just zoom in here again. Let's look at it. And it went up like that. So let's go back. Oh, oh, what's this? Uh, let's look at money creation. Oh, what's this? And now we see house prices going up like this. So it really explains a lot of what's happened in the housing market. So uh, I know a lot of people talk about the UK housing market and they make all these, you, you know, explanations of why the housing market's gone up. Well, the main thing is it's money creation, which pretty much everyone misses. So let's just look at some property data. So this is propertydata.co.uk. The UK property data is nowhere near as good as some of the other countries out there. The USA has the best data, but I do like uh, this website. So if you want to look at any data, this was one that I would recommend. And here again, we can see the prices now. We're at about £275,000 for the average home price. Look at this uh, trajectory here. Look how steep this was. And then if we go over here and see the annual price change, this is again very useful. I prefer this type of graph. Um, Actually, let's look at this. So 2008, after we saw these huge gains, 
we saw a major correction of 15% down to 2009 before it, you know, it tried to reclaim where it was. It was really 2012 before we actually came out of the last recession. So that was a good four year period last time when we went through this. Now, am I saying this because I think we're going to have a massive housing crash? No, not necessarily. And I'll talk about my forecast um, towards the end of the video. I actually think what's a lot more likely to happen in the UK housing market is a slowdown this year in 2022 and 23, 24 is a major slowdown in growth. I think we've really seen the bulk of the growth there. However, it depends on the government. It depends on the central bank. Again, we're getting into some more complex uh, part of housing market forecasting here. So I'll try and make it as simple as possible. But if the Bank of England starts to raise interest rates, this will have a detrimental effect on the UK housing market. It, it really will. Because you've got to think about when I've talked about housing market crashes in the past and how I've analysed the 2008 crash for you and, and gone through all of that data and even talked about how there could have been a massive crash uh, as deep as 30, 40 percent in 2021. Now, why didn't that happen? That's that's a good point when we talked about that and analyzed how it could happen. Why didn't that happen? Well, I actually think it was a mistake what the Bank of England did, as well as all the other central banks. But they're always going to take the road of least resistance and try and kick the can down the road, which is what they've done. So by creating all this new currency, all they've done is increased inflation, inflated prices, made people think as though they were wealthier, but they're not. People are now poorer than ever. And the wealth that was created has already transferred a lot of it to the wealthiest people in society. So I think it's a mistake. And I think what's going to happen later on is that all of this will come home to roost, all of this high inflation and all of these asset price rises. It's only a matter of time. However, it could take years. It could take years before all of this starts to correct and it will be on someone else's watch because this is what central bankers and politicians do. They never want anything to crash on their watch. So they will do tricks to stimulate the economy, but they haven't solved anything. The only reason we didn't see a correction last year when I believe we should have, I, I think we should have just let the economy go into recession. I know that's not a popular opinion, but I do think that's what we should have done because by not doing that, we've now created this monster. We have made the situation twice as bad as it would have been if we just let the markets, stock market, housing market, um, all the other markets, if we just let them correct last year. Yes, it would have been a very painful period. It would have been, but we're going through a painful period anyway. Uh, the whole world was. So I just don't think it was the right approach. And I think in the future now, we're going to have something occur that's going to be twice as bad um, as a result of all this currency creation. The risk that the central bank now has or, or the UK economy has is that if the Bank of England gets caught in a trap, which I think they're already in, where they have to start raising interest rates, this is going to make credit more uh, expensive. It's going to make affordability lower as well. Let's, let's talk about that in a moment. But also liquidity. Liquidity is important for banks to loan on mortgages and everything else. Why did mortgages slow down uh, during the last recession? Because there wasn't much liquidity, lending tightened, and banks were a lot more strict on the criteria. Now, let's go to affordability, because this is a key metric and what I said um, will happen, and it's inevitable. This is the metric that no matter what happens, this is inevitable. And this is that this will slow down housing market growth. 
It always does. It's never failed every single time that we've had these runaways. So, so what actually happens is that let's say that your affordability is a hundred thousand you know, pounds for a UK house. That's it. Maybe you probably won't get a house for that. You might get a, a flat or, or something like that. So a hundred thousand is your budget, unless you're up north and you know, somewhere quite rural, you might get a you might get a, a house for that price. Now let's say that that is the maximum that your bank or mortgage broker has calculated that you can afford. But that's of course based on today's interest rates. But what happens if interest rates go up by, you know, one, two, three, four, five percent over the next X amount of years, whatever that period is? Well, then those interest rates get passed on to the mortgage rates, and it's not an exact science, but this is generally what happens. So every time these mortgage rates go up by 1%, that is going to impact how much you can afford to spend on a house. So your affordability will go down. Well, eventually, if this is happening right across the country and everyone's affordability is coming down, house prices also have to either slow down or come down to meet that new affordability criteria. Okay, now the next thing I want to show you is pricing by region. And what I really find interesting about this, uh, about three or four years ago, this was way before the pandemic, I said with my business partner that the North and the Midlands would see the greatest growth over the next decade. And that's due to a number of reasons and investment into the area and uh, saturation of London and the South. And a lot of people thought I was crazy for saying that. But now if we look at this and we look at where the biggest growth has been, London actually saw the smallest growth at just 6.3% since June of 2020. But then where has seen the most growth? Well, pretty much everywhere. Again, the Southeast also very low growth there, 10.5% in comparison. Where have we seen the most growth there? We've seen the Northeast, 15%. The Northwest, 18.6%. The West Midlands, 15%. Yorkshire and the Humber, 15.8%. And this shows the average house prices for this area. You know, as I was saying, would you want to pay half a million pounds right now to live in London? I definitely wouldn't, which is one of the reasons I got out of London. I lived in both North London and I lived in central London, uh, two places in central London. I actually lived right near Buckingham Palace for a while because that's where my work was uh, in terms of the barracks there and, and the palace. But I also lived in Kennington as well, which is by the Oval. And, you know, Back in the day, it was great to live in central London with all the benefits. It was just such a wonderful place. But right now, do I want to live there? Absolutely not, which is why I actually left uh, London and moved to the Midlands. And I've enjoyed it in the Midlands. But as many of you know, in a couple of weeks, I'll be leaving England and uh, I'll let you know when I get to my new location, because it's very complex to get there, uh, where I am moving to. Now, the next bit of data I want to show you is housepricecrash.co.uk. This is, again, a very useful site. And this shows the annual house price change by property type. And if we look at this, then uh, this is detached houses in blue, semi-detached in red, terraced houses, what's known as row houses in the US and Canada uh, in yellow, and then flats and masonettes in green. Again, in North America, you would call these condos. So if you look at this data here, then it shows the 08 crisis. It matched very, very closely. And then as we come into uh, where we are currently then, and you look at this sort of data, what hasn't increased in price as much? 
that is the smaller units, so the flats and masonettes. Now, this is very interesting and contrary to what a lot of people thought would happen. Because right now, I believe that a lot of the income growth will be in lower income earners with minimum wage going up and uh, just as a result of the difficulty in hiring. So I would expect this sort of area and these sort of properties to go up uh, a lot more significantly. But it hasn't happened like that just yet. So we're gonna to have to track this data and see what does happen. But it's no surprise that detached houses have gone up dramatically. Uh, again, I've lived in detached houses for the last few years. I could never go back to living in a terrace or a, a flat or, or whatever because I have my studio in my house. My wife has her studio. We both have offices. So we actually need the extra space. And it tends to be that the more money you have, the bigger the property you can afford and of course, with the wealth transfer going upwards, this is no surprise that this is where a lot of the money has flowed to. Now, this is the more worrying graph that I wanna show you then, because this is the average house price to income ratio in the UK. You'll have heard me talk about this a lot on a number of videos, and I basically have gone through historically and I've looked at all of this and run my own reports on it, to see what the average um, PE ratio is, as it were, for houses and where it tends to correct. Now, if you go back to the 1940s, you can see that we had this high uh, PE ratio of 7.45. And then we saw this big correction that came back down to about four to one. Now, again, let me just clarify what this is. So this is, let's say you had a, a household income of 50,000 pounds, for example, and a house cost 200,000 pounds. Well, that would be a one to four ratio or a ratio of four. But of course, house prices uh, are nowhere near that. They've run away in recent years. And again, let's look at this then. So this was the barber boom and it went up to six to one and they considered that overvalued before it corrected again to its long-term trend line, which is about four to one. Um, next one was the Larson boom and that was six to one. Again, corrected again down to four. And then we went up and again, a lot changed during this period. I won't go into it now because it's very complex but a lot changed during the 90s and, and this sort of period. And then we got up to the 2008 crisis, which was known as the Great Recession, and we got up to almost nine to one ratio, or 8.64 ratio, where we then saw this crash down to 6.86. And ever since then, we've, again, we've had a little bit of correction here, but it's, it's continued to climb. And we're now at 8.5 yet again, which is only a tiny, tiny bit lower than the highest all-time PE ratio before we had the huge crash during the Great Recession. So again, we have to look at these things. A lot of people don't like to look at this because it interferes with their data. But I do think it's very important that we look at the average house price to average income ratio. Okay, so let's wrap all of this up then. And let's talk about 2022 this year what might actually happen with the UK market. Well, let's talk about a couple of trends first of all. And I do see working from home and working remotely to continue onwards. Yes, I think some people will go back to the office, but the majority of people, if you look at the surveys done, especially in the millennial and generation um, below, you know, the different generations below, those sort of generations, they don't wanna go back to the workplace. They want remote working. They want to, in fact, uh, very surprisingly, as about seven or eight percent of respondents want to be able to go to Bali and Mexico and all these other countries and go traveling and and work that way remotely. And 
although a lot of employers don't want that and they don't like that, they want people in the office, I personally think that they're gonna have to have some leeway here because of the great resignation crisis that we're going through with there simply being too many job vacancies for available working age people. Uh, it's caused a real issue. And again, I won't get too much into that because I don't wanna move away from housing market data, but a lot of older people and not just older retirement age, um, even people who are you know, not old in their uh, mid to late 50s have retired early over the last two years for all sorts of reasons, health reasons, not wanting to be out in the public domain. Um, so all of these things are contributing. But in terms of home sales this year, then I don't think it's gonna be 1.5 million like it was last year with the stamp duty holidays and everything else. I would expect it to be closer to 1.2, 1.25 million by the end of the year. I also don't think we're gonna see 10% growth this year. I think if we don't have what's known as a black swan event or a crash for liquidity crisis reasons to the, the equity markets, I think we're probably just gonna see somewhere in the region of three to 4% growth this year, maybe 3% next year, 3% the year after. I think it's gonna be somewhere around this region. However, don't just assume this is what's gonna happen. We could have a, another recession. I think it's very likely we could have a dip in house prices as well because of interest rate rises if, if, if this uh, happens, if we have a lot of tightening of credit criteria, you could still definitely see a housing market uh, correction, not just in the UK, but I'm talking about uh, in most countries in the world, Europe, USA, potentially, um, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, a lot of other countries could fall into this same trap if the liquidity just gets sucked out of the market with rising interest rates. So just because um, I'm saying it could be 3%, 4% rise this year. That is if nothing crazy happens to the markets. And just one final word of warning for all of you, and that's just be careful because right now with the mortgages, remember the UK is not like the USA. In the USA right now, 3% mortgage, 30-year fixed rate. That is no joke what you can get in the USA. It's crazy. They are so blessed over there and most of them don't even realize it. Um, it. It's crazy how good they've got mortgages and mortgage rates over there for the long-term fixed rates. The UK doesn't have that. I mean, you're lucky if you can get yourself a 3% five-year fixed rate. You know, a lot of people are doing three-year fixed rates at the moment. And, um, and again, the broker will always say to you or the mortgage advisor, just do one, two, three years just to get this and then refinance later, you'll get more money, better rates, etc. Just take it with a grain of salt because as I've said before, if you look at what happened in the last recession, last housing crisis, what actually happened was rates went up. It pushed up um, the prices of mortgages when the fixed rate ended. A lot of people couldn't refinance because the loan to value wasn't high enough and they got stuck on these variable rate mortgages which were just ticking up um, over time as the bank interest rates were rising. Um, puts people in a very, very difficult position, especially if you can't refinance, you can't put more money down. So that's just one thing I'd, I'd say to be aware of. Always try and put down as big a deposit as you can. Pay down your mortgage um, as much as you possibly can as well in terms of monthly overpayments or an annual overpayment. That's certainly what I did on my, my home. I've always done that, paid a big lump sum, 10% or whatever it is that you can do each year. Uh, I've always done that. Um, in order to become mortgage-free on any home that I've owned. So I hope that was valuable for you today. Please click the like button for me. 
uh, why not subscribe to the channel? I bring you videos like this all the time. Uh, apart from that, take care. God bless. Uh, I wish you every success this year in 2022. And if you want more housing market videos, just let me know below in the comments. Uh, I love to read your comments anyway. Take care. See you soon.